You ready for some word today? Let's go to Psalm chapter 34. Psalm 34, also Psalm 145. 34 and 145. Let's begin here in Psalm 34 and verse 8 today. It reads, O taste and see that the Lord is, what? Good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. Now, of course, man would be man and woman. That's uh, not speaking of gender there. Blessed is anyone who what? Who, who trusts in Him. Would that include you? W- would you be better off if you trust in Him? Yeah, yeah. Well, why is that so? It's because the Lord is good. Because He's good. And because He's good, He's, uh, he's able to be trusted... And the end result of trusting in someone who is good is you're blessed. You're increased. Your God's favor is upon your life. But how many know it would really mess up this whole system if, if we said that, well, God is good to some and others he's a jerk to? Hmm? I mean, if we said that, that God is good to some people but he's not good to, to everyone, then this scripture wouldn't be true. Because you might be blessed if you trust in Him, and you might just be cursed if you trust in Him. Right? So we can see, to even accept this, we have to accept it universally. We have to accept that God is not picking a few out here and there to bless, and a few others to curse, and, uh, and some He just avoids altogether. Uh, no, God in His action toward all is good. And because of that, because of that reality, we can trust Him. Everybody with me? Now, I know this is real simple, but if I think that God might slap me upside the head with a, with a, a disease or, 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 or take me out early in life or take my children away or something like that, I'm not going to trust Him. How can I trust someone who might help me and might harm me? There has got to be a consistency in God's character and nature, and thank God there is, but this must be understood by us so that we can draw near, so that we can walk closely with Him, so that we can accurately describe uh, to others who don't know Him about the way that He acts and the things that He does that we can count on every time. Everybody good so far? Psalm 145, 145 verse 8 and 9 reads, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to a few. No, the Lord is good to all and His tender mercies are over some of His works. Right? No, no, His tender mercies are over all His works works. Today, I want to continue this new series of messages called The Goodness of God in a Very Bad World. And uh, we're endeavoring to clear some things up 
not only to uh, give us good understanding of the Lord so we can walk closely with Him, but also that so that we can benefit from all that He has provided and given, but also so He won't be falsely accused by us or anyone who comes near us. Right? Because we're going to set the record straight. We're going to defend God when He's falsely accused of bringing harm and doing bad things in people's lives. He is a God of love. He loves you and me and everyone in the world. He sent His own Son, if that's not proof enough. Come on now. Uh, And He wants to do good things in all of our lives. The many bad things that are happening all around us and, and sometimes even in our lives are not the result of God working out His plan. Many times it is said, well, God's just working. He's just working out His plan. You know, a guy came to me many years ago and describing all the bad things that were happening in his life. He said, I'm just trying to figure out what God's doing. And I thought, what God's doing? Does that really look like God? Is, is, Is that really your image of your Father who loves you? That He's bringing all this chaos and junk into your life? I said, He's not doing anything here. This is an absence of God doing something. It's, it's not a picture of God doing something, but again, this image that many have been taught is that everything that happens, including the temperature, the, 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 the wind, the, whatever, everything that happens in the earth is dictated by God, um, that it just really is incorrect, but it messes up our relationship with Him. Okay, And so we've got to get these things straight, and that's why we're talking about this series. Much of what happens in the earth today, uh, God has nothing to do with it. He just doesn't have anything to do with it, other than the fact that He created the system. He created the earth, turned it over to man. He created laws that govern it, both natural and spiritual. And man, of course, has messed things up. There is a curse in the earth today. Sin has entered the world, and a lot of things are going not according to plan. Okay? It doesn't mean that they're God's will, even though He created the system that would allow for it. It's because He created us with a free will, and we've done with it what we want. All right, And so having that, that clarity to know what comes from the Lord and what doesn't is real important if we're going to walk with Him closely. Now, there, there's a verse over in, in Romans chapter 8, the 22nd verse, talks about how the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains even till now. Think about that. What does that look like, the whole of creation groaning with birth pains? Well, that's basically talking about the turmoil that's in the earth. The storms, the, the violent weather, the earthquakes, the, the, the different natural disasters that are happening all over the planet. They've been happening throughout history for quite a long time. Jesus said that even as close as we get close to the end, they would increase in frequency. Now again, not because God wants them to happen, not because that's the way He created the earth so that everyone, you know, some people would have their house split in two and some people would be overtaken by a tidal wave and, and, no, 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 that wasn't His plan, but that's the present condition of the earth we live in. He is looking for an opportunity to save you. To bring life to your life. To set, to set captives free. To bring deliverance. To bring help. Amen. Amen. Not looking to not looking to crush people. It's never been his his desire and his plan. And so we live in a world that's groaning. It's travailing. There's a curse in the earth. It's like a virus in a computer. There's a lot of problems, but it's not the express uh, will and purpose and plan of God. And these things are going to continue, even when we talk about sickness and disease and despair and poverty and divorce and death and anxiety and suffering and all. None of that was a part of God's. Original. 
original plan. Those things are here and they're present in the earth today, but not because He wants it to happen. And He doesn't desire it to happen in your life. You may have experienced it. You may have suffered as a result of some of these things coming upon you. And you don't know where it came from or why it came from. But I can answer this very clear, absolutely without hesitation. Even if you don't know why, I can tell you that it wasn't God. It wasn't His will. He sent His Son to die on the cross for you, man. He he gave His very best so you could live and have life. He is full of joy. His presence is full of pleasure. That's the kind of God we serve. He is a good, good God. And so we must distinguish and separate the good from the bad. All right? Again, I think a lot of times you don't have to even preach this message to people who don't come to church because they're not going to mix it up. Good is good and bad is bad and we're not, it's not really not that confused. But it, it's when you step into church and all of a sudden everything becomes mysterious. Everything becomes, ooh, you know, you can never tell. You never know what God's going to do. You know, we need discernment. And, uh, and we do need discernment. I'm not, don't, don't, take, don't get me wrong. But some of these things just are exactly what they look like. Now, when it comes to, say, someone said, what about judgment? I may talk about that a little bit later. But I, I want to get into... I want to get into answering some questions about why, okay? We understand why in the big picture and how the earth is the way it is and why a lot of things happen in the big picture. And I think we can also probably answer some specifics that are real clear. You know, for example, Amy's mother has been in a wheelchair and unable to speak and tend to herself since she was 26 years old. You know, and people think, well, why did God do that to her? He must have a special plan. Well, no. If you know the background, it's called they were drinking and driving with their friends, and they got, she got in an accident, and that's been the rest of her life. Do we want to say that's God? Well, God controlled that. No, that's foolish to say that. And so some of those things are real easy to uh, discern, if you will, to diagnose and say this happened because of this. Sometimes we can identify why certain bad things have happened in our own lives because we were directly involved in something that brought it, that, that brought it about. And uh, if that's the case in your life, acknowledge, confess, be done with it. Don't live condemned. It just is. God will still give you victory over it. Amen. He still wants you to overcome things that even came as a direct result of wrong behavior and and poor choices. But when it comes to other issues, many times we just can't put our finger on it. Why in the world did that happen? Where did this come from? It seemed like I was blindsided over here. I didn't invite this, and uh, and yet here it is. And so beginning to look at some of these things, I want to share with you one major point today regarding this why question. It might not be real specific. Someone might come to me and say, why did this happen? I'm going along. I'm trying to live for God. And all of a sudden I get diagnosed with this tumor. Why did that happen? Well, stepping back, I don't know. We live in a cursed earth. There's junk. There's problems in people's DNA. There's a devil out there that wants to kill you. I can't just automatically specifically tell you, this is the reason that happened, other than I can say it's not God's will. It's not His plan. Jesus didn't take stripes on His back so you could die young. He took stripes on His back so you could be healed. huh? But when it comes to uh, many things that we don't know, let's look at some principles, okay? So the first one, I'm going to give you two scriptures on this. You can look at them if you want, but they're pretty short. It is this, people suffer 
And they don't avoid tragedy because of a lack of knowledge. This is a biblical principle that lacking knowledge and understanding opens the door for bad, bad stuff to happen. Okay? Two verses. Hosea 4 and verse 6. If you're taking notes, just jot them down. Hosea 4, 6. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. They're what? They're destroyed not because it's God's will or plan or his, it's his, in His sovereignty He chose it. No, it's because they don't know something that will keep that destruction from them. Okay? Now here's another one. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 13. 5, 13. Therefore, my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. My people have gone into captivity, not because I'm punishing them or they're a bunch of rascals. It said here, they have gone into captivity because they don't know what they need to know. They lack knowledge that would keep them out of captivity. Could these things be true today as well, that people go into captivity, maybe figurative, not necessarily in a jail cell, but in captivity, or they go, uh, they experience destruction, and it has nothing to do with God's will or plan, but has everything to do with they didn't know what they needed to know to avoid it and overcome it. And this is a biblical principle that many have skipped right over and they've fallen back on, uh, well, God's in control. Well, what about these verses? Amen. Okay. For example, we are told in Scripture to attend to God's words, to give attention to His words. Well, what if we don't? Ah, well, that's... It's no big deal. God's got it covered anyway. And it's this idea that you can follow God's instruction, and He says, attend to my words, and those who attend to the words and those who don't attend to the words both end up the same. No, there's a direct correlation between whether I attend to God's words and give attention to them, or if I attend to the, to the TV. Not God's mad at the person who attends to the TV. It just produces something different. One person attends to the Word. Another person attends to skiing. Nothing wrong with skiing. It just produces something different. One will be a good skier. Nothing wrong with that. One will be knowledgeable of the very words of God. And I'm not saying a person couldn't potentially do both. You know what I'm saying? Uh, But one person will be knowledgeable of the Word of God. And that will produce certain results in life. And for us to say, well, you know, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I love God and everything, and and my heart is right. This is not about whether someone loves God and their heart is right. Whether destruction comes to a person individually is not a direct result of their love for God. Or whether they are sincere towards God. This is not condemnation. Say, if something bad happens to you, there's something wrong with you. You're a bad person. Huh? No, that's not the question. What do you know? That's what I would ask. What did, when this happened, how did you respond to that? What did you do? Someone said, I prayed. Great. What did you say when you prayed? How, how did you pray? Say, well, it doesn't really matter. Prayer is prayer. Well, Jesus didn't think that. 
He didn't just say, pray, period. Let's move on to the next subject. In other words, there apparently are things that, there are things to know about it that work, things that cause it to be effectual or ineffectual. And if, 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 we, if we have this idea that it doesn't matter what we know, well, the Lord said in the Word that we do need to know some things. We need to know how stuff works. We need to understand His kingdom, the principles that govern it, His will. We need to understand all, all, all these situations. We cannot separate all that happens to us from our involvement in God's Word. Praise the Lord. Lack of knowledge is a real booger. It'll cause problems. It'll cause pain. And uh, we're told to attend. I remember hearing this story years ago about this individual. They were very poor, but they used to work for a, a very wealthy person. They were in a low-level deal in their home, and, uh, but they worked for this very, very wealthy person, and that person had passed away, and they were living in, in basic poverty, barely, barely surviving. And Come to find out, though, this individual whom they used to work for had given uh, this person this piece of paper, and they thought it was so nice. They framed it, put it on the wall, and thought, what a nice gift for my former employer. And, uh, but come to find out, because they were uneducated, they couldn't even read. And yet they had this nice little piece of paper. They didn't know what it was, but it was on their wall. Come to find out that this guy had willed them a fortune living in poverty, but they were wealthy and didn't know it. I, I mean, what, what, a, what a picture of what life can be and what it oftentimes is. It's that God has given us so much that He has given us His very best. He has given us His precious promises. But the problem is many, many people are simply unaware of them. They don't know what belongs to them. They don't know what they have. And the absence of their knowledge doesn't mean that God's angry with them and enforcing bad stuff in their life. It's just keeping them away from accessing what's already theirs. It's hanging on a wall. Looks good. But it'd be a lot better in the bank. <laughs> be a lot better to put it into practice. You see, it, it's kind of like if, if you lived in a jungle, how many know if, if you were to move from from Boise to the jungle, you know, just straight transplant to the jungle, uh, without ever having any any classes on jungle, and uh, or having ha having any experience, you could run into some hardship, couldn't you? I mean, if you didn't know about the jungle, there's a lot of creatures out there that are dangerous, and there could be, you know. Plants that you would need to avoid, things you shouldn't eat, things you should eat, quicksand maybe, a waterfall, and uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of dangerous things if you're used to walking on pavement, you know, if you're used to hiking through the mall. <laughs> that you get to the jungle, it's a different place. What happens if you don't have knowledge of the jungle? Well, you could have some trouble in your life, and it's independent of God's will, right? It'd be best to take the jungle class first. Uh, maybe even more desirable to have a have a jungle guide, someone who's been there, someone who could say, "Watch out for here," and kind of lead you through and get you acclimated to the environment, so you can live you can live there and thrive there and avoid the the pitfalls. How many know life is like that? We live in a jungle. It's called a, a sin-filled world. It's called, there's a devil who walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And this is going on in our environment, in our world. Unless we have instruction, unless we take the class, 
unless we have the guide on the inside, we're probably going to step into some potholes. They have potholes in the jungle? I don't know. But we're going to step into some kind of hole. We're going to get bit by something. We're going to be attacked by something in life, right? And it's not because we're good or bad. It's not a judgment on our character. It's just related to knowledge. Related to understanding what's there and what's not there. Okay? It's interesting that life is really about this. Could it really be that our knowledge of what is available is key to our experience? And what I'm talking about here is not just natural knowledge of the earth. That's helpful. But it's spiritual knowledge of God, of His kingdom, of His principles, of His name. Come on now. It's a spiritual education that God wanted all of us to have. And yet so many people in life, they have no spiritual education at all. Spiritually ignorant. They could have a lot of PhDs behind their name and know a lot. They can be a very smart person. But as far as a spiritual education, many are lacking this. And the outcome of this results oftentimes in unnecessary pain and suffering. You know, people seek education in many fields. If you want to be successful in certain field and certain careers, you have to take the class. You have to get the degree or you have to have on-the-job training. If you want to, you know, be a, an electrician, you've got to get out there and not only understand the laws that govern electricity and, and all that stuff, but you have to have practical training so that you can be a good electrician. If you are not, you probably have less limbs than the, the, the good ones right? Uh, uh, if you want to be skilled, and I think we understand this in natural life, that we have to be trained to be successful in various a- areas of living. But wouldn't that also be true when it comes to a relationship with God? That you have to have the class. You have to be trained. You have to have a, a knowledge base of how he, rela- he relates to us and treats us. Have a, have a foundation so we can interpret this is from God. That's the devil. That was a stupid decision. You know what I'm talking about? Th- this is a right choice. This is a wrong choice. When I have the knowledge base, I can interpret life clearly, accurately. God doesn't get blamed. And yet also I can walk in the blessings of God. I keep my fingers and all, you know, all that g- good kind of stuff. Avoid the snakes. And, uh, uh, but most of the time, the education people get, uh, even in spiritual terms, is not, it, it's not sufficient. How can one, if, if someone can't be a successful doctor or a successful lawyer or something without education, without that training, why do we think you can, that someone could be a successful Christian without training? Well, you say, because it's just all up to God. That's what we've been saying for the last three weeks. It's not all up to God. And if He told us to tend to His Word, if He told us to do that, that must be necessary to produce the desired outcome. And people, you know, people frequently put off doing what's necessary to increase their spiritual knowledge. They don't have time. They're busy. Uh, you know, other things take priority. But here's the thing. When bad things happen, then everyone steps back and says, well, why did this happen? And then sometimes the thought comes, yeah, I haven't been going to church, so that's why it happened. And I skipped the... But here's, here's where, where it's messed up. They think, I didn't go to church, so God's letting me know. I, I'm, I'm being punished, 
or he's getting back at me because I didn't do this and I should have done. No, 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 no. It's practical. It's not I didn't do this or I did this and so God's getting me back. He's showing me that I need to do this if I want to be blessed. No, it's practical. It's what you get when you do the things he prescribes. It produces a positive effect in life and you experience the blessing of it. You know what I'm talking about? See, see, there's a reason that that we that I teach things like this, and I'm, I don't just stay on the surface and and we get underneath and and really get into some stuff. I know that it'll produce certain results in your life, in my life, if we'll not only go down beneath the surface, but apply them to our lives. It'll make a difference. It won't change God's love for us, but it'll change our knowledge of His love. It won't, it won't change His overall plan for our lives, but it'll make us aware of it and how to access it. Does that make sense? There's a reason we do this. There's a reason we, we, we put on classes. Uh, we have discipleship stuff and classes and why we have a Bible school. It's not so that we can create different classes of Christians in here and we can all you know, tout our badges, I finished this class, and I, I finished this school, and I, I did this, and all of a sudden we're higher ranking Christians than others in, in, the, in the house. No, it's about what those things produce. When someone gives attention and time and energy and dedication to having a spiritual education, it will produce positive things in their life. Now watch, when I, when I talk about spiritual education, I don't mean just that you know the books of the Bible, you know uh, the story of Noah and David and Daniel in the lion's den, and, and, and you know a little bit about uh, you know, Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic and, <laughs> and you know, uh, no, 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 that stuff can be, I don't mean that stuff is irrelevant. But you can have an incredible walk with God, relate to Him without knowing all the Bible stories. Those are given as helps to learn a principle or a truth from them so that you can live your life with God. Because, listen, there are people who are experts on Job, or they think they are. They know more about Job's boils than Jesus' stripes. And, and I'm telling you, there are, th- there are things that, that outweigh others if you want to have spiritual knowledge and education. It is about rightly dividing the word of truth when you come out victorious. If we come out of, of our understanding of God and come out of church and feel weak and beat up and helpless, we learned the wrong stuff. I'm telling you, when, when, when we have an accurate understanding of God... <laughs> There's something in you that just wants to be glad and rejoice and say, Thank you, Lord. He is so good. You believe that you are not in and of yourself, but by His Spirit, an overcomer. And there's nothing in life that you can't overcome. See, we need to be instructed correctly. But, but I would encourage you, don't skip the lessons on prayer and faith and the authority of the believer and and the love of God, and all these things say, what well, does it really matter as, as long as I'm saved? As long as I'm saved, we're not talking about just going to heaven here. We're talking about this life. I don't know, about, but if you're 120 or something, maybe you, heaven's a good deal right now. But, you know, for most of us, we plan on being here for a while, and I know heaven is going to be, yay, amazing, awesome, and, and, but I'm here. I need victory now. 
I need to avoid the pitfalls of, of the jungle right here and right now. I need a knowledge of God that will enable me to overcome and implement every victory that Jesus won on the cross. Okay, And with an absence of that knowledge, it doesn't change God's love, God's plan, His will for me, but it definitely changes my experience. What I live in day to day is definitely on the table here, and it is in flux based upon what I know and what I don't know. Amen. Some say, well, I don't understand. I mean, I prayed, and I have faith, and again, I would say, well, what did you pray? You have faith? I don't question that, but what do you believe? How many know it's possible to have faith in the wrong thing? We're not saying you don't have faith, but you might believe something wrong. So does it really matter? (laughs) I have this phrase rolling around on the inside of me. I heard Jesus say it. I didn't hear him, but read it many times. Be it unto you according to God's will. No. (laughs) Be it unto you according to your faith. It's what you believe that affects your life. All right, that didn't go over real big, so I'll keep going. Go to Second Peter chapter 1. We're going to finish up over there today. Second Peter chapter 1. So even when we have a, an understanding of the Bible, of spiritual things, it is important to have an understanding of certain parts of it and present it in the correct way. If you know... If you've read the New Testament at all, you know there's kind of a lot of attention given to not being misled by what's called false doctrine or doctrines of demons or false teachers. Now, I know that's not the main thrust of our our subject and message here today, but even back then, that was a big problem is people were given knowledge or instruction but they were giving in, given incorrect instruction. Well, what would that do? You know, well, that's, that's just a hindrance. Okay, that would keep people away from experiencing God and His best if they're taught something incorrectly. So, well, how do I know I'm being taught correctly now? Judge it. Judge it. Judge everything I'm saying. Line it up with the Word. Line it up. Best way to do it, I think, best way, compare it to Jesus. What would Jesus say and do? What did He say? What did He do? How did He treat people? How did He act? He is the express image of the Father. Amen. So say, don't you mean Job? No, I mean Jesus. (laughs) So you brought up that a couple times already. I didn't intend to, but... (laughs) But, but, but a lot of times people get caught up with things like Job and his suffering. Understand this. You cannot compare your life to him if you have knowledge of that book. That has been twisted so many times and misunderstood. But it doesn't even matter. Learn patience from him. But other than that, he was not born again. He did not have the name of Jesus. He was not under a better covenant established upon better promises. You cannot be compared to Him. So even if you don't have any further uh, knowledge of that that stuff, let's come on into the new covenant. Let's come on into a a place where God's mercy and grace has been shown to us. All right. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2. Verse 2. Grace and peace... Be multiplied to you 
Period. End of verse, end of chapter. Yes, isn't that great? No. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. How is grace and peace multiplied to me? When I know about it. When I know the Lord. When I know the Father. When I know His what He has said, His plan and His purpose. Then grace and peace get multiplied to me. Not just grace and peace be multiplied to you just because... Just because. No, it's connected to knowing about it. To knowing the Lord. Verse 3. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Period. Right? Just done. No? Through, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. So all the stuff that pertains to my life, that pertains to godliness, that comes by my power, must be known. I must know about it. I must have understanding of it. Then I partake of it. Verse 4, By which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. What if? What if God has given us all these great and precious promises, but we don't know about them? What if someone comes to you and they say, I've been going through this struggle, i got this problem, i got this issue, and, uh, and I need someone to pray with me, would you pray with me? And you, start, you say, absolutely, yes. Which promise are you, are, are you, are you going to use here? What scripture are you going to stand on? What promise from God are we going to apply to your situation? And they say, well, no, I just want you to pray. I'm not wanting to get into that or anything. Uh, just pray. How many know you say, ooh, <laughs> stinks to be you. Uh, you got a problem and you don't have an answer. I don't. Does that sound hard and cold? But they have a problem and they think the answer is just pray, which means nothing. It just means random talking. I mean, they're going to talk to God. I don't mean to question their intent. But I'm saying that's not how the kingdom works. That's not how God accesses a person's life. By them being totally ignorant of what He has done for them. Of what He has promised to them. And yet He's just going to do it anyway. No, He said, get a word, get a promise. I've given you these promises and because of these promises you can partake of me. But if you don't know the promises, you can't partake. We are told, remember Mark 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's the good news. Why do we do that? Because if a person does not know the gospel, they don't know God's good news of your sins have been washed away and you can have eternal life today, then they can't believe and they can't be saved. So we're told to what? Give them knowledge. Preach, tell them the truth, tell them what is, so that writing on that understanding, they can receive eternal life. Anybody happy yet? How many know you, we cannot have faith apart from knowledge? 
Faith does not exist outside of knowledge. We've got to know something in order to believe it. If I don't know it, I can't believe it. But this is how we access all the things of God. And this is how we are going to overcome the pitfalls of the jungle. This cursed, infected, sin-filled world that we live in. God has said, you've got to know what I've given you. You've got to know about my name. You've got to know my word. And using that will give you victory. Praise God. Praise God. There are other parts to this. If you're saying, yeah, but what about? I'll see you next week. <laughs> and we'll go a little bit further. And, uh, and I know there's questions when it comes to life experience. And we're going to dig further and get deeper into this. But I tell you what, the Lord wants to allow us and help us to experience His best. Praise God.